0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I need to talk about the economy, but let me just... I forgot when I was explaining all this postmodern wokeism and where it came from and and all... um, I had John King coming on, and I couldn't tie as pretty a bow around the end as, as I wanted. Um, so let me let me just back up real quick, quick synopsis. Postmodern thinking comes in after World War II, globalized society, this embrace of younger people to new ideas, outmoded uh, outmoded pre-war thinking They now have this uh, science they, they now have all these things they didn't have before uh, People are moving into urban enclaves They're all all going off to college The teachers have all been indoctrinated by Marxist thought They're spreading it to the kids They spread it around We have these galvanizing catalytic events Over the last few years with George Floyd and the like Now we have all these, these Antifa protesters Coming out of the woodworks People are like, how did we get here? It's been festering under the surface for a while and then you have the these uh, catalysts that speed things up and get it to the forefront. You know, so one of my favorite ex- experiments. If you ever order uh, potassium permanganate, I love doing this with my kids. Potassium permanganate is this uh, purple crystal. You take potassium permanganate; it's a catalyst. You pour hydrogen peroxide onto it. Hydrogen peroxide, not to get in the weeds with you, but hydrogen peroxide, the chemical uh, equation for hydrogen peroxide, it's H2O2. Water is H2O. Hydrogen peroxide is H2O2. Well, the oxygen really wants to give up that extra atom, really wants to give up. It wants to be H2O. It wants to be water. Uh, it, it takes the, – holding the oxygen on with the two hydrogen atoms, it takes a lot of energy. They, they want to release it. So you add potassium permanganate to the mix and the hydrogen peroxide uh, gives up that oxygen rapidly. You stick a match to it, it blows up. It's actually really cool. That's that's the whole point. I'm I'm just nerding out with you here is you you mix hydrogen peroxide, potassium permanganate. it's a catalyst, it speeds up the release of the oxygen from the hydrogen peroxide, which it'll do over time very slowly anyway. You strike a match to it. When I was a kid, my parents would let me I had a chemistry set. Yes, total nerd. I admit it. I embrace it. I had beakers and flasks and bunts and birders and balloons. Balloons. And for my birthday party, I would fill up the balloons with the oxygen I released with the potassium permanganate, and we'd all go outside and blow them up. It was a lot of fun. We were all little pyromaniacs back in the day. Nonetheless, I digress. The catalyst for the rapid onset of wokeism, it was always there. It was always festering. It was always going to come out. It has helped us to a degree that it has uh, gone as fast as it has. You see the craziness of it. It is deeply incompatible with rational thought. It's all very emotive. Uh, How is it that the uh, Alphabet gang can be out protesting in favor of Palestine? Do you know what they would do to you if you were Palestinian? You transgender person, do you understand what the Palestinians would do to you? You gay rights activists, you understand you're getting thrown off a roof if not stoned to death in Gaza. It's all very emotive. It is oppressor versus oppressed, and they rationalize the Palestinians uh, and and their violence against gay and transgender people by saying actually they're just unleashing the oppression onto others that has been imposed on them. That They try to make it sound coherent even though it's not. It ultimately burns itself out. It is too destabilizing to survive. It's like radioactivity. Um, The the reason things are radioactive, the the uranium is throwing off atoms, and it's causing radiation. It it kills a lot of people in the process, but ultimately it winds up becoming lead. It takes time for it to happen. Uh, It takes a lot longer for uranium to turn into lead than it does for the wokes to turn into uh, history. But there will be a lot of casualties along the way. That's the problem. The way you minimize the casualties— is you pull your kids out of public schools and you don't send them to institutions that are run over with wokes. You teach your kids how uh, to maintain what they believe. So now this is for those of you who are of faith. Uh, There's a ministry out there, a friend of mine. His name is Eric Reed. He has a group called Knowing Jesus Ministries. Now, he is an unrepentant University of Tennessee football fan. You do need to know this about him. It is one of his major character flaws. However, his ministry goes into schools and teaches kids how to navigate this postmodern world, uh, particularly kids in small Christian private schools. You're going to go off to the big, big university. Your teachers are hostile to your values. How do you live in that world? How do you navigate that world without losing your faith? I pay every year for him to come to my kids' school, Uh, every year his – Group knowing Jesus Ministries comes to my kid's school, and they put all the kids in a workshop for a day. It's a very intensive workshop for a day. They're all exhausted by the end of it, but they all love it. On how do you how do you deal with having a friend who sees the world differently to you? How do you have a friend who's of a different sexual orientation who your your God says is sin, but you're friends with them? How do you how do you Uh, Be friends with people. How do you love your neighbor who sees the world differently without succumbing to your neighbor's views and the world's views and stuff? And that's something you as a parent have got to consider doing, um, and that is the chief catalyst to let the wokes burn out without also consuming you and your family in the process and move us through it, education. Now, we do have to talk about the economy. Because if you subscribe to The Morning Briefing or the, the daily email, and the show notes, you can text Eric to 33777 and get it. Um, y'all, I, I need to tell you, it's not good. And if you subscribe to The Morning Briefing my daily show notes, you would see the headline, and the headline sounds fantastic. The headline is U.S. economy grows at blockbuster pace in third quarter. The subheading is GDP grew at an annual rate of 4.9% from July to September, the highest reading since 2021. Woohoo! The problem is the Potemkin village. Uh, Grigory Potemkin was a general and lover of Catherine the Great. He is alleged to have built fake villages – When Catherine the Great wanted to go see the Crimea, he conquered the Crimea, took it from the Ottomans, and built a bunch of fake villages. They were facades. Now, it's not actually true. What he did is there were villages along the way, and he set them up. He renovated them, and then he built facades of other buildings to show Catherine the potential of the area. But his enemies claimed he was building fake villages. Potemkin village, the propaganda campaign against him, stuck. We know now from current history and and, uh, documents that it wasn't really true, but it stuck, these fake villages. And it really comes to be a political term where people build these facades of everything is great and behind the scenes it's not. And that's what's happening with our economy. It's a Potemkin village. It sounds good, but it's not. Real GDP grew 4.9% in the third quarter. But what's fueling the rise— is a problem. Actual real private fixed investment has been flat since the first quarter of 2022. On the residential side, uh, we're not having people building as many homes or anything. That's been flat as well. So there's still going to be a housing shortage, which means costs are still going to go up. If factories and machines and other fixed investments had almost no quarter in the last quarter, well, where's all the growth coming from? Inventories. So a lot of businesses stocked up in 2021, in 22, as inflation hit, they bought a lot of stuff to avoid future price increases. And that is where 1.32% of our 4.9% GDP comes from is all of the inventory that's being sold now. Where else is the growth coming from? The government. One-fifth of the growth in the last quarter is from the government, not the private sector. For five quarters now, government growth has been faster than private growth. Not good for consumer spending. The rise in real spending is being fueled by depletion of savings and people going into debt, which is not sustainable. Real disposable income fell again last quarter despite the economy raging on and inflation is not dead. The price index for GDP doubled from the previous quarter, 3.5% versus 1.7%. Pre-pandemic, that's the highest rate since 2007. A lot of people say they feel like we're headed into a financial crisis, and I think we are. Uh, The GDP looks really good, but it's not sustainable long-term, and that's why markets are doing what they're doing. The Dow is down 125 points The NASDAQ is down 190 points. The S&P 500 down 35 points. The overall New York Stock Exchange composite down 30.66 right now. All major stocks uh, are down except a few of the banking stocks. Hey, my Sonova stock is doing well today. But uh, Meta, Nike, Starbucks, Apple, everything's down. Now, the reason is because when you've got this much growth and it's all based on short-term release of inventories, we know it's not sustainable but it could provoke further interest rate increase because the interest or inflation is still going up faster than the Fed wants. And as the interest is going or inflation is going up faster than the Fed wants, the Fed raises interest rates. Those interest rates affect bond yields, mortgage prices, car car purchase prices, any loan you get is affected. Those of you who are seasoned citizens relying on fixed earnings and assets to be able to maintain your income, you benefit because the interest rate goes up. So the interest rate on savings accounts and CDs, bonds, all that's going to go up. But for the economy, it slows it down generally. We've kind of been in a period where interest rates were back to normal. You know, the, the, the days of like easy capital, easy credit and low interest rates was abnormal. The the normal time period is about a four percent interest rate. Four percent interest, four to five percent. That's normal in the history of the world, the history of the country. Four to five percent in the late 20th century, early 21st century. That's normal economic post World War II rates of return that businesses do business with. Nobody, the risk doesn't get out of hand. It's all balanced. You start dropping the interest rate, people start taking bigger risks to make more money elsewhere. Interest rate goes up, people pull back from risk, but also the people who made the risky bets start to have trouble. We're going to see parts of the economy begin to unravel now. We are still the strongest economy on the planet. But, you know, uh, strippers and nonprofits tend to be the first groups to see – Uh, There's actually a very fascinating article in The Atlantic. I'm not making up where they interviewed Las Vegas strippers who have – a lot of them have fantastic investments and do quite well, quite lucrative in the markets. Why? Because they have a bunch of young business clients from New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco who come in and they're wielding financial advice and throwing lots of money at the strippers. And when they're not, well, it's a sign that the economy is slowing down when the business clients aren't showing up. Now, I don't know how the strippers are doing. I haven't talked to any lately. But – I do know from the nonprofit world that they're having a hard time now. A lot of the deals that were happening are no longer happening, and they're kind of a leading indicator that something's happening in the economy when nonprofits slow down with giving. And that's happening right now. Nonprofits are starting to see a a lag of donations come in from this time last year when the holiday seasons were upon us. It's lots of warning signs in the markets that uh, the economy seems to be overheating. It's not supposed to be, but it's not overheating at the consumer level. It's overheating in the release of of built-up inventories, which means as those inventories are eventually replenished, costs will go up because the inventory replacement cost is higher, and government spending is skewing everything right now. None of this is sustainable. None of this is good. And everybody knows it except the Democrats who try to put a spin on it and say everything's hunky-dory when everyone who's gone to get gas or bought milk knows the economy is not hunky-dory right now. The CEO of JPMorgan Chase, Jamie Dimon, is somebody all the policymakers in Washington left, right, and center pay attention to because he runs like the biggest bank in the private sector, too big to fail. Uh, So big, in fact, that regulators keep looking at him and thinking maybe we got to— do something about your bank but he's speaking at a uh, future investment initiative listen to this and I hear people talking about ESG all the time I just would put on your table the most serious thing facing mankind is nuclear proliferation if we're not sitting here 100 years from now it will be nuclear proliferation it's not uh, climate and so uh, I, so I think when you look at the geopolitical situation as complex as we've seen I, I don't know if it's 1948 or 1938 obviously we all hope it goes away. I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking. What's so notable to me is how he says it. If we're not sitting here 100 years from now, it's going to be a nuclear proliferation. It's not going to be climate. And then he's like, oh, my gosh, did I just say that out loud? Is Greta Thunberg going to scowl at me? It's like, oh, I said the I said the quiet part out loud. Climate is not going to end the mankind, despite all these claims that we have a decade left or else we're all going to die. It's not true. It is the instability of the world, and part of that is is nuclear proliferation. The Saudis have a nuclear weapons program quietly being developed because they're afraid of the Iranian nuclear weapons program. The Chinese now have over 500 nuclear missiles. We're trying to build up our stock again as the Russians have decided to get rid of all the nuclear proliferation treaties out there and build up their stock. I mean, you see where this ends, and it's not a good, good stable thing. He's right. He's right. It's it's the ESG stuff that the left has been pushing is, is nonsensical madness, and it's starting to even fall apart with them. And the, this the fall apart of ESG, yes, it comes with a lot of aggressive pushback from the right. But a lot of it also has to do with that they, they can never be woke enough, and that ultimately is what kills wokeism. More than anything you or I do, we keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and and, and the wokes turn on the wokes. But it is the wokes turning on the wokes that is a really big problem for the wokes and wokeism. And that's why I kind of feel comfortable with this stuff. The madness burns itself out eventually. Um, It's just the question is how many people get burned up along the way. That's the problematic part of it. Um, But I'm encouraged for the future nonetheless because I've read the end of the book. I know how it ends. I'm on the winning team. I'm not that worried about it. Um, But there's a lot of heartache and misery in the process of getting there. I do understand that. And we're seeing that happen right now all over the world. But these are events that we can't control. You got to figure out what events you can control and put your work there. Now, I want to tell you. So I, I had uh, what the bill caller earlier mentioning um, Vision Computers that they don't do they, they don't do Macs. Um, you want to buy a Mac, you got to go to Apple. You can't go anywhere else. But a lot of people have PCs. Most people have PCs, and you can go lots of places for PCs. The one place you should go is Vision Computers. Why Vision as opposed to one of the internet shopping companies or the big box electronic store? Because Vision, you're not going to a website building your PC off the website. You're calling them and you're talking to an actual human being. And they it, you explain to them what you want and what you need, laptop or desktop. They build the computer for you. And then they service the computer for you. They give you a phone number you can call. And I got the number because I got a computer from Vision. They answer in 15 seconds or less, day or night. They answer in 15 seconds or less. If they're tied up, they'll say, look, uh, can we call you back? Let's take your info. And they, call, they actually call you back same day. They fix your computer. They call you as quick as they can. Great customer service. Great customer service. Call them at 404-COMPUTE, any one of you in the United States, whether you're on a new station in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or Phoenix, Arizona, or St. Louis, or Atlanta, Georgia, wherever. 404-COMPUTE. Call Vision. Tell them I sent you. you give you an even better deal. 404-COMPUTE. VisionComputers.com. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here, the phone number 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. I want to go back to the shooting, not that I want to have to deal with the shooting as an issue. But I want to talk about this a little more because I, I do think it's notable that our we've got a lot of focus on his mental health. Uh, we, we know uh, he had mental health issues. I mean, if you weren't here at the beginning, uh, he was committed to a mental hospital after hearing voices. He was a firearms instructor. He spent two weeks in a mental health facility this summer, um, before killing all these people. 40 years old, uh, was an Army reservist. He was hearing voices uh, encouraging him to shoot up or blow up a military training base. Um, I don't know what law would have stopped the guy if he was a prior gun owner, and in fact, given his mental health issues, um, we'll, we'll find out what laws were there or, or not to deal with a situation like this. But what I find notable is the conversation is immediately about his mental health. The guy genuinely was mentally disturbed. And usually what happens in these mass shooting events is both sides run to their quarter. He was a left-wing shooter. He was a right-wing shooter. No, no, actually, according to this fringe website no one's ever heard of, he voted for Barack Obama twice, therefore he was a left-wing shooter. No, no, actually, he voted for Donald Trump, so he was actually a right-wing shooter. I mean, th- this, is, this is where the conversation goes. And in fact, immediately last night, while they were still counting the bodies that were still warm, people were immediately running to the trenches on their ideological side to throw bombs at the other side and blame the other side. Maybe he was an illegal alien. Maybe he was a Palestinian supporter. Maybe he heard there were Jews there. Maybe he was a white nationalist. Maybe he was a Trump supporter. May- maybe all sorts of things. The man was mentally ill. He was mentally ill. It's time we reopen mental institutions in this country. He was institutionalized for two weeks, but we don't do enough about mental health in this country. So I'm actually in my studio today in Atlanta, my flagship station, as I mentioned, and driving in, there was a homeless guy standing on the side of the road, or I'm sorry, unhoused. He was, he was a homeless dude. He wasn't begging there's a gas station uh, by by the radio studio, a uh, little Exxon, and he was standing out there. And the dude was having an a aggressive, impassioned conversation with the person standing next to him, who was invisible. He was yelling at someone, clearly agitated, at this person who he was engaged in conversation with, and there was no one there. I assume schizophrenia, something clearly something wrong with that person why why is he on the street what the left does and i am trying very hard not to make political points here but i'm encountering this so much that they just change the language You're, you're not homeless you're unhoused or you're you're displaced unhoused person without a home no you're mentally ill you're on the street in many cases for a reason. There's a drug addiction. There's a mental health issue. So many of these issues. This guy was not. He he lost his job. He was here in Voices, and and we stigmatize so much people with mental health in this country. I I I wonder what issues he went through. He was clearly having major issues. One of the reasons I probably overshare with you guys on so much is because I know people struggle and there are things I don't share with you guys. There, there are plenty of things that, that I I don't share, but I, I try to share enough to make sure you understand that other people are going through things as well. There are other people struggling too, myself included at times. Fears and doubts and anxieties. Wondering, should I do something different? Did I do something wrong? Can I let something go? There's support groups out there. I've got a a friend, uh, Mark. He's actually filled in for me before. And he spends a lot of time working with, he's in the military work, work, and he works with veterans who have PTSD. And making it acceptable to talk about Struggles. But this is a situation here with this guy who was clearly disturbed, clearly did something, and I'm glad, yeah, we're having the partisan discussions, people at the White House, immediately while he was still shooting, while he was still shooting people. While the reports were coming in, they were already politicizing it and making it about gun control and we need gun control before they knew any of the facts. We need to deal with, with mental health, and it's going to take appropriation from Congress, and we need to get it right instead of closing the mental health institutions in the country and putting people on the streets, putting them in halfway houses. We need the institutions to be reopened, and that's not going to solve every problem. It might not have solved this problem, but it's a step in the right direction, at least the homeless crazy man on the side of the road having a conversation with the invisible person. You, you, you encounter these things all the time. The, the, the vagrants who are suffering from addiction and mental health, we need somewhere for them to go off the streets where they're not harming others or themselves. It's not really compassion to decide someone wants to be on the streets. There was a story the other day I read about a woman who is living in her car. In fact, I think this is in Seattle, Washington. They now have parking lots for people who are living in their cars. They have jobs, but the rent's too high. So they live in their vehicles. They bathe at the YMCA or the homeless shelter before going into work. Where's the affordable housing? All the good progressives marching in the street to kill the Jews this week, they don't want those people living in their backyard in affordable housing. They don't want to build housing. In fact, they want us out of houses. They want us into cooped-up apartments in cramped city corridors where we're driving all of us public transportation. We don't even have cars. What's going to happen to the people living in their cars when you take their cars away, when you put them in an electric car where the heat turns off at night because the battery goes out and they freeze to death? All of these things, I'm not trying to be flippant here, they are predictable, they are foreseeable, and they are the things the left doesn't want to talk about, including mental health and the problems of mental health. They want to blame the gun. we got to change. we got to change things in the country. We need to change the conversation, and we do need to focus on mental health. We do. It's a problem. You know, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine. He does fundraising for my seminary, Reform Theological Seminary, and he was talking about their they, they've they seen in the past year uh, decline in, in donors uh, as every nonprofit has. I was actually talking to a friend of mine yesterday um, who deals with a big nonprofit in the metro Atlanta area that helps a bunch of subsidiary nonprofits, and he too was talking about the fall off in donations that uh, despite all the numbers today if, if you're just tuning in great economic news in the United States great economic news the economy is roaring but do you feel it? Nonprofits, a a buddy of mine. I was telling this to my friend this morning. I, I've got a friend of mine. He's actually a big financier on Wall Street. You see him on CNBC, and his uh, his saying is that strippers and nonprofits feel the economic headwinds before everybody else. The, the business bros who take their clients out to the strip club, that they, they go less and they tip less at the strip club when the economic headwinds shift. Nonprofits, they have a fall off in donations. And, you know, his point is actually sound. Hey, if you've ever read interviews with, like, Las Vegas strippers, um, there are plenty out there. Uh, the Atlantic had one a while back about a woman who was saying she, she knew that we're in a recession, even though the economic data shows we're not in a recession. She knows we're in one, just given the fall off from business clientele and stuff. And it, they know. She also has lots of money. She gets great investment advice. Apparently, that was part of the part of the article. But nonetheless, they 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 know the economic headwinds are shifting against people. The cost of living is still high. People are being burdened with rent. This is one of the things I was talking about with my my buddy at the seminary today, is that uh, the number of people who are going through pastoral programs, seminary programs in the country, not not just particularly there, but across the country, they're all feeling it. And you've got guys who want to be pastors and they're having to work extra hours to make ends meet because the rent's so high. How do they support their family? How do they support their wives? Their wives are working. They, they're, they're newlyweds. They haven't had kids yet, but the cost of living is high. It's extraordinary right now. And it's pushing more people to make drastic decisions. And you've got the left out there who doesn't want people to build houses or they do just not in their backyard. NIMBY, not in my backyard. They talk a good game about income equality and about affordable housing, but they don't want to commit to it in their area. They just want to change the word so they don't have to deal with the homeless. They're just unhoused. They're just people in search surface of a house. It mitigates all the underlying circumstances in their life. We can't just change the words. It's what they want to do to reconstruct reality. It's part of postmodernism, but we can't do that. There are people who really are between houses on hard times, who really do need to help get back on their feet. And frankly, there are a lot of nonprofits profits that can't help them right now because donations are off. But there are also people who are unhoused because they actually are homeless, because they've chosen to live on the street, because they suffer from addiction or mental health issues, because no sane normal person chooses to live on the street. It's not that hard. So in all of the tragedy, at least we're beginning out of the gate to have a conversation about this guy's mental health It doesn't bring anyone back, but it might actually, by having a serious conversation about it, prevent stories like this from happening again. And by the way, I I would be remiss if I didn't say at this moment... um, If you text DONATE to 33777, speaking of people going through difficult circumstances and the cost of living right now, you can certainly help uh, people who are in need. If you text DONATE to 33777, hungry for a day, partnering with groups around the country to provide Thanksgiving meals for people uh, who otherwise won't be able to afford it. Uh, It's cost of a Thanksgiving meal on average up 30 some odd percent from last year. And that was already an increase. So if you can help, please consider helping. I also need to tell you about Patriot Mobile because Patriot Mobile wants you on their team. Patriot Mobile is a fantastic, fantastic company. What does Patriot Mobile do? Well, Patriot Mobile provides you cell phone service. And in providing you cell phone service, you get guaranteed great service from Patriot Mobile on the same cell towers you're probably already using. And then, as their profits grow... They're giving to the conservative causes you care about, Grove, from the Second Amendment to the pro-life movement to conservative candidates around the country. They fund those candidates with their profits. They get their profits by you moving your business to them. And in exchange for you giving your business to them, they give you great service on the same cell towers you're probably already using. They give you great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, a teacher, even an NRA member. Reach out to them, patriotmobile.com Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson. Can we just talk about Mike Johnson for just a minute? I I don't want to give Gates credit, although it definitely did work out that we got a more conservative speaker than McCarthy. I would just note that this wasn't really part of Gates' plan. He was willing to vote for Tom Emmer, who Trump doesn't even like. Uh, But nonetheless, we have a more conservative speaker now. We actually have the first real social conservative speaker that uh, we has ever been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Newt, Newt said all the right things and stuff, but but you know it was the moderates who wound up saving Newt or trying to save him back in ninety eight. They they couldn't actually do it, and and he was willing to oppose a lot of conservatives around the country and get more moderate people elected. Not regardless though. I don't think you can question that Mike Johnson explicitly uh, evangelical Southern Baptist and the left is coming for him over really traditional Christian values and things he said in the past. And they're going to try to tie him around the necks of moderates in a way the right has tried with Nancy Pelosi. And I don't know that they're going to be successful with that. And, And the reason I say that is because I don't know that the right was ever really as successful in tying Nancy Pelosi to a lot of Democrats. It certainly works in some cases, but I think disproportionately it it, it doesn't really work. I mean, when you go to 2018, it was more effective to tie Donald Trump to Republicans than Nancy Pelosi to Democrats. It, it's the guy at the top, so it's Joe Biden, it's not Nancy Pelosi. At the end of the day, a lot of people just frankly don't care. And yet we're going to see this concerted effort by Democrats to go after Mike Johnson and all the things he said in the past and all of his views. The thing for Johnson to keep in mind is to focus on the future. I mean, focus on what's relevant. Uh, the, The culture war issues right now that the left is fighting on are actually deeply helpful to the Republican side. So I don't know that it really helps them to go after Johnson In that way, they just it doesn't really make sense for them to do it, but I'm sure they're going to keep it up. What do we know about Johnson, though? I mean, the man was on the. It was a trustee of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, now, a lot of people that was Russell Moore's group. He was there before Russ uh, came on board. He's not there now. A lot of people look at the ERLC and say, "Oh, it's a bunch of libs." Now, it's really not. I'm actually friends with a number of those guys. That they're they're great Bible believing Christians. But the fact that he was prominent enough within the SBC to be named a trustee is a significant thing because it was before. Uh, He rose significantly in the state legislature in Louisiana. He was just known to be an influential uh, Christian lawyer in the state, represented Alliance Defending Freedom, and represented a lot of their candidates. And I'm sure there's going to be a big opposition research drive into him now at a national level because of the people he represented with ADF. I don't think this helps Democrats. I mean, and for all of the stolen election nonsense that's out there, if we're really honest about it, for all of the stolen election stuff out there, the Democrats want to hold Republicans accountable for the 2020 election rhetoric and do not want to hold their own legislators accountable for their present pro-Hamas anti-Semitic rhetoric. That, my friends, is an issue. And I, you know, like I, have already prepared myself. I got to be on TV next week and I'm sure I'm going to be asked given that. I don't think the 2020 election was stolen the way people say it was, despite all the acknowledged issues and uh, that were involved in the election and problems in the election, the dominion voting system machines weren't stealing the election for Joe Biden on behalf of Hugo Chavez's zombie and stuff like that. However, when this issue comes up on TV, I just want to note to all of my friends out there in the media that you should be prepared for me to point out that you are asking me about statements this guy was making two, three years ago but you're still not asking any Democrats about Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar's statements from last week that were anti-Semitic, pro-Hamas, and supported the genocide of the Jewish people. Why is it that you're asking me about statements about Mike Johnson from two years ago, but you haven't asked any Democrats about the statements that Rashida Tlaib has currently on her Twitter feed blaming Israel for the Gaza hospital bombing when we now know it's not true? Why exactly are we doing this why are republicans always asked and democrats not i it, it's going to come up and i am prepared for that question i am prepared for it and that's what i intend to say it matters to me and it bothers me that that double standard is so tr- transparent and exists in that way Alrighty, my friends, thank you very much for being with me today. I will be back tomorrow off to a charity event this evening. This Stuff Matters up in Kennesaw at Governor's Gun Club. And uh, those of you I'll see up there in a little while, hi initially. And for the rest of you, have a great afternoon.